Welcome to Chapman and Robin. I'm Max Peterson. And I'm Bert. And we, have, every time we go away for a month and come back, I say, we're back. And um, I'm not going to promise anything this time, guys. Um, there's a lot of reasons that we haven't had a show in a while. The big one is we moved from Maine to Michigan. It was a really long trip. It was really harrowing. It fucked up our car a little bit and I had to fix the car. I got pretty seriously sick for about a month, like doctor sick like don't get out of bed confused can barely think kind of sick um so i was out of commission for a long time bird did was doing the job hunt thing i was working on the car when i wasn't um you know glued to the toilet but i'm better now the car is fixed bird has a job i have two jobs and i'm still (laughs) managing to find time to do radio shows and spotify lists and actually work on stuff again so we're back and we're doing chapman and robin which I have missed a lot, actually. I've been thinking about doing one of these for, like, weeks, and uh, we just never seem to have been able to get the time, but we're going to make the time starting now. Um, what's been going on with you? New job. Do you want to... Can we talk about your new job? Do you want to talk uh, about your yeah, new job? Yeah, see why not. Okay, so where are you working now? I am working um, at Paperwork Studio. In, it's, like, a... It's a nonprofit that works with um disabled adults um they make paper and other paper crafted items like cards and um little boxes and things like that so like anything that's made out of paper (laughs) okay cool and you're learning how to make paper and stuff like that so you're doing kind of yeah okay so you're doing kind of like an artistic cool job that has like a like a good uh cause for like a good Mm -hmm. cause oh see you are i'm just shaking drinks and throwing steaks at people again (laughs) but uh that's fine that's actually where i'm happy i'm much happier doing that but although i do also still work so it's been a long time since we did a chapman and robin but we do have corrections from our last episode we did an episode we got a bunch of shit wrong i wrote down all the corrections and then we didn't do an episode for two months so this might was it really two yeah it was o- about two we months suck. well it was the move I sorry think guys a big part of it was um it wasn't just it, the move it was just that we didn't have that um like routine down anymore we didn't have the routine down but the month the month we moved i flew back to marquette as well that's true so i had sort of a family uh a family emergency come up and i spent half of the month we were supposed to be prepping to move in Marquette with my family. I got back. We moved less than a week later. Then we got here. I got sick and I was out of commission for a month. So it was just really bad timing all around. It's been a long string of misfortune. So uh, here are the corrections for our last episode. Those of you who are still subscribed. Uh, not the, love you. the 25 people who were like, oh, well, this show stopped updating and, and to kick us off of iTunes. Um, John Wu, Chinese director. I'm just going to go through the list because I don't even remember what we were talking about for know. a lot of these. Sir Patrick Stewart. Uh, we must have been wondering how old he is. He is 76 years old. Michael Fassbender is a German-born Irish actor. I believe we said that he was a British actor in our last episode. Um, and then there was something about some note about Beyonce, but I don't remember what that is. I think probably I talked a bunch of Beyonce shit and then I was like, oh, is that when I made you listen to Lemonade because you were talking smack and I I was like, "Mm -mm." I did talk smack about Beyonce and then Bird made me listen to this album Lemonade and I was like, oh, Lemonade's really good. But then I have recently read some articles about Beyonce and I'm kind of back on the fence of like, ooh, I don't know about Beyonce anymore. She's. I don't know how I feel about her personally. Yeah, her business. Her Lemonade is a good album, but her business ethics seem to be questionable to say the least. Let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy too. <clears throat> we went and saw. We haven't seen a movie. It was the last movie we saw before this. Do you even remember? Was it Logan? Yeah. We saw Logan in Maine, and then um, as our anniversary present, four years, baby. Um, my parents took us out to Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which ran long and made us late for getting back to Traverse City. <laughs> but worth uh, it. It was totally worth it. So, what did you think of Guardians of the Galaxy 2? I really enjoyed it. It was um, fun, but also, like, 
tear your heart out and stomp on it? It's weird. Everybody, I, everybody that I know who's seen it, like Alan and Aaron went and saw it, you saw it, and everybody's saying the same thing. They're like, oh, I, why did that movie have to make me cry so much? Like, I just didn't need that. I didn't need to have my heart torn out and stomped on it. And it, I mean, you said it was really sad too, and mm-hmm. I didn't get that as much. I, I understand that it's sad, but it didn't like. Um, it definitely packed way more of an emotional punch than I was expecting. I was expecting just like you know, kind of summer movie again. popcorn munching spoilers. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Tons of spoilers for everything we're about to say. <clears throat> we're going to talk about movies for most of the rest of this podcast. <clears throat> Super spoilers. Um, the whole, like, uh, father, son, father, daughter, father, child bond mm. thing in all of its different facets, sort of familial bonds. It's It was very uh, poignant and potent. So, I mean, yeah. And... Uh, it, it definitely packed more of an emotional punch than the first <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy did. I think I actually liked this Guardians of the Galaxy. No, I was going to say more, but I think I like them equally, which is high praise because I love the first one. I didn't um, like this one as much. You didn't like this one mm-hmm. as much? No. I think I almost liked it more because of it didn't just it didn't pull a hangover you know like the hangover 2 is just the hang again another movie i haven't seen okay well you are aware though that the hangover 2 is the hangover it's the same exact film in just a different locale and the hangover 3 is the hangover 1 in a different locale again they just made the same film three times essentially like mostly beat for beat (laughs) i was worried that they were going to try and mimic guardians of the galaxy 1 and just Hit the same beats, same kind of plot line, more shit with Thanos. It seemed to me they kind of did do that. Do you remember when I was telling you when we left the theater that some of the the comedy didn't really hit for me? Mm -hmm. It's like they were trying to recreate something that was just funny and um, unique. They were trying too hard on the comedy for me in this one. There were a few jokes that didn't land Mm -hmm. for me in Guardians 2. Um or things that were funny and they just dr- tried to like draw them, keep drawing them out for laughs and it just... Do you have an example of that? <sighs> no. The uh, Rocket Raccoon at the beginning, I thought that that joke was forced when he's setting up the music. Yeah, he's setting up like a speaker system to play Quill's music as they're waiting for like a de- like a space dragon to come flying at them, mm-hmm. and uh, everyone's like, "What are you doing? Why are you doing this?" He's like, "Well, I'm Peter likes Quill's the one who likes music. I'm setting it up so we can have music." And Quill goes like, "No, no, I'm with them. This is an enormous waste of time right now, like that sort of thing." Mm-hmm. Um, that exchange just rang false, which was kind of a bummer because that was the opening, one of the opening scenes. Um, the Dairy Queen product placement took me out a little bit. Um, I liked the cameos. There was three big cameos. We got Sylvester Stallone, we got Kurt Russell, and we got David Hasselhoff all in this movie. Also, they brought... Do- um, oh, fuck. The Duck. What's his name? Howard. They brought Howard the Duck back, and he had like more of a speaking role in the film proper. He was the uh, post-credit tag in the first movie. Yeah, I didn't understand... Who he is, why he's there. We'll watch Howard the Duck sometime if you want. It's not good. It's a shitty movie based on a crappy comic book. Okay. But he's like a fa- he's he's like a Roger Corman kind of thing. Like some fans like him, so throwing Howard the Duck in, he's like a foul mouthed cigar smoking duck, basically. It doesn't matter. Okay. He's a he's like an in joke for really hardcore Marvel fans who saw this movie that came out, I think, in the eighties called Howard the Duck. So most people don't understand at all why why he's in there. So Okay. Yeah. Um there was a lot of stuff. What did you like about the movie? Wait, should we or should we mm-hmm. keep going on stuff you didn't like about the movie? I really liked a lot of the relationship with Groot stuff about how um it just sort of changes the dynamic of the group. Um of course, the costumes were all absolutely gorgeous. The sets were phenomenal. Soundtrack, of course. Killer again. Five stars. Cat Stevens. That was the absolute best pulling out father and son at the very end. That's one of the great Cat Stevens songs. Um, the, the bit that I kept catching on, like how this movie is like really dark, was there's the scene when they have the... 
um, what the fuck is it called? Uh, the mutiny, and they're throwing everybody out of the hatch, and they're Ooh, all dying in yeah. space, including uh, another cameo. Um, I can I can never remember the actor's name, but the guy from uh, Sons of Anarchy, the Irish actor with the scars. Oh yeah. He mm. he has like one speaking part, and then he's thrown out of the. Is his name airlock. Malcolm? No, I don't think so. Malcolm McDowell. I can't be right. Doesn't matter. We'll get a, We'll do that as a correction <laughs> next week. Hold on, let me make a note. You talk. Um, I was actually disappointed about the the romance between Gamora and Star Lord. Why? I mean, because I, I, I just, know why. It's but... so expected. I just didn't want it. Right. So she should. I love the reconciliation between um, the sisters. Yeah. Oh my god, I love Mantis. Yeah, I Mantis love her is so really much. fun. Actually, my favorite romance in here was Drax and Mantis. But it's not. It's absolutely a thing. Did you miss this? Did you not see this? He called her ugly. Yeah, and at the end when he's looking at her and he says like, um, it's beautiful and he looks he's staring at her as he's as like the bombs are going off and stuff, mm-hmm. and then he goes as are you. And then there's a pause and he goes on the inside. But we've already established that at the very beginning of the movie, we've established that Drax met his wife. They were at a party and there was music, the best music you can imagine. And everyone was dancing, but she was not dancing. It was as though she was dead. Like he, the, the amount of tension, the amount of like the amount of affection between Drax and Mantis is way more than Star-Lord and Gamora. They're He fake throws up thinking about having sex with her. He clearly I, you need to watch this movie again. Okay. He clearly has a thing for Mantis like at the end of the movie. Is it because she is also sort of autisticy like he is? <laughs> they're I think they're like kindred spirits in a way, the two of them. Like I when she's like I am ugly, you know, like <laughs> she's amazing but um May I pet your puppy? <laughs> what is it? The, your cranky dog is so cute. I wish I was dead. Yeah. But, um, makes me want to die. Makes me want to die. But, um, see, like, yeah, that they, I mean, we'll throw it to the listeners because I'm sure all of you have seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I know Adam Lau has. Adam, I'm throwing this at you. And I personally think that Drax and Mantis are being set up as, like, a romantic couple in the next movie. He would crush her like a bug. <laughs> but there, that was that was for me. Their relationship was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, I felt like we were kind of treading similar ground when we were like Rockets being an asshole. That's why he's not going to have any friends. Um, as far as like dark, yeah, they stuff, like really hammered that home. I was like, okay. Well, I see why they it. did it. It was so they could set up the parallel between Rocket and. Uh, what's the captain's name? The guy who dies, Yabu, hmm? Yandu, Yandu, Yandu. Yeah. Um. So they set up that parallel so that Rocket can kind of see the cost of being a dick as mm-hmm. you turn into basically Yandu. Um. And then we, in that way, we get a redemption both for Yandu and kind of a redemption for Rocket at the end when Sylvester Stallone and the rest of the Reavers come mm-hmm. and do that funeral, which for me, oh. was the, like the. That was the moment where I cried. It wasn't like the, I put a tumor in your mom's brain. We only saw Quill's mom for like five seconds. And I'm like, oh, that was, I mean, that's sad. That's fucked up. The father and son stuff didn't get me. What got me was when Yondu, Yondu had like betrayed the Reaver code to bring all these boys to Ego, right? And then did the right. Children, right. These children to Ego. And then when he found out that the children were being killed, he stopped and did the right thing and kept Quill. Even though that meant that the, I mean, the Reavers like had turned their back on him. He was a total outcast. He did it for the money. He made this big mistake, but he did the right thing by Quill. And then like still had, he had like a code of honor. Even though he was like, everyone thought he, you're like, you're a child peddler. Like it was, it was pretty dark. Like how Sylvester Stallone and the rest of the Reavers treated him. Like we don't deal in children. And like, he clearly Mm -hmm. overstepped his bounds. But he always lived, like, by a code of honor. And even his first mate, who caused, like, a mutiny and caused all of his crew to be killed, Yondu still, like, stands by that guy. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, 
when he sacrifices everything. Like I said, major spoilers, guys. But like when he sacrifices everything and dies to save Quill, um, that was the father-son moment that got me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy because yeah. you know Yandu raised him. Yeah. What got me was it's that that fucking it's the same reason three hundred got to me. It's like that like forty-seven Ronan. Yeah, it's, it's like the, like yeah, it's like the men of honor like sacrificing everything and then after they've like died horribly posthumously they're recognized but Mm -hmm. they didn't live to see that recognition something about that gets me frank miller does it really well but right here when they like shoot him they you know um turn him into they basically like roast him in the the burner and like fire him out into space which we'll talk about at the end during Bird's <laughs> book review corner. Um, Bird has a book about a crematorium. <laughs> but uh, so when he's like floating out in space, and then all of a sudden, the rocket goes. They came, and you see those reaver ships show up. I was there, and they start going like, like popping. No, but I'm getting to the moment. The moment that made me cry. I was like, oh man, they did it. They're there, and his first mate is looking out the window, and he doesn't even go like. You know, he doesn't get emotional, like, quiet emotional. He doesn't, like, ugly cry. He doesn't, he just, he just, like, you can see his fist clench, and he just screams. He's just like, yeah! He's so fucking elated that his captain got recognized. That, for me, that was where my heart, like, broke. That's where I was like, this movie, that was transcendent. That's transcendent cinema right there. Oh my god, that was so good. You have a comment, clearly. I do. Bro. Go. Um, seeing that scene and and getting to see inside of all of those different ships, I want a movie just about the Reavers. That's that would be like my Guardians of the Galaxy three. Well, they in the. I think it's so interesting. I think they're going to right because there was I five. There was five credit scenes. One of them was Sylvester Stallone. With I don't want him in another movie. You don't want Sylvester Stallone in any movie. I don't want movies? him in my Reaver movie. Well, God damn it! <laughs> you got to take what you can get, boo. Um, what else do you got about Guardians of the Galaxy two? Nothing. Original Guardians of the Galaxy. We just rewatched it. How does it hold up in your? Does it? Does it? I hold, still love it. It still holds up I for you. I Still love it. And you, yeah. you vastly prefer it. You would say. Not vastly, but yeah. But it's it's definitely a better movie to you. I think I agree with you. That mm-hmm. movie does not... That first one doesn't really have any weak points for me. There's a couple parts in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 where I'm like, oh, you're trying too hard. It has a lot of... I'm not like detracting from it at all, though. I, I think it's still like a very, very high-quality movie. Um, speaking of movies and movies that you like, we've actually watched several movies together recently that you've been trying to get me to watch for a long time. Um, Beetlejuice oh. is my number one. Yeah. So, uh, uh, can we talk about Beetlejuice? I mean, sure. When did you first see Beetlejuice? This is the one uh, directed by Tim High Burton. School? Who's the actor? Michael Keaton? Yes. Okay, so it's Michael Keaton and the girl whose name I forget, who's not Christina Ricci. Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder, that's her name. Awesome and, and Stranger Things. And it stars things. a young... Um, uh, fuck, what is his name? for Closers. Um... Uh, f- oh god damn it talk Just Alec talk. Baldwin Alec Baldwin yes um, so anyway that's so Beetlejuice we watched Beetlejuice who's the woman I don't know she's not familiar to me but everybody hmm. loves Gina Davis Gina Davis yep okay <laughs> everybody loves this movie like um i just started listening to a new podcast called nightmare on film street they talk about how they watch beetlejuice like every two weeks all year long basically like it's oh, i don't it's think so i could watch great. that often when did you first see this movie when were you exposed to it i think in high school okay. maybe early college and you where what rating would you give this movie well like what how would you rank this movie for you in your personal movie ranking, like out of five stars, like, yeah, like out of out of let's do out of ten stars. I think it gives you more nuance. Oh my god! Okay, out of five stars because <laughs> ten stars is too difficult. Two, I would say four. Four out of five stars. Yeah. Okay, so you but you really 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 wanted me to watch this. So like you like this movie it's a like, lot. It's like a cult classic. It's something that you, Mister Film Buff, should definitely should have seen. see. I agree. I'm glad I saw it, but like. I don't know what it was, but this movie did not 
totally strike didn't hit me. I wanted more Beetlejuice. I loved Alec Baldwin and I loved Gina Davis and I thought that Winona Ryder was awesome, but Michael Keaton like clearly is the the show stealer, right? Uh show stealer to the point of like chewing the scenery. Yeah, but I think that that's the point of like the whole Beetlejuice character is the um you know, like, where can a guy like me uh, get some action? Like, the whole, when he's, like, at the whorehouse and he's drinking the beers mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, oh, he's got the, all those Well, big... there was a TV show. Wh- what? There's a TV show. With him. Uh, I don't know if he Is actually does the voice. Is it an animated one? Yes. Oh, I knew that. I watched that as a kid. Oh. Um, but I just wanted to see, like, that the TV show, maybe that's why I wanted to see more of it. Because the TV show is so Beetlejuice centric Mm -hmm. and the movie is like I've never seen the TV show oh Beetlejuice in the movie to me is like a peripheral character he actually doesn't even have that much to do with the plot he like is a monkey wrench that shows up and fucks things up a couple times Mm -hmm. but mostly it has to do with Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis who are dead and ghosts like trying to protect their home and if you like remove Beetlejuice from the movie He's just the element of chaos. Yeah, I guess. I wanted more chaos. You know, I wanted... I Because I think that would have, like, shaken the plot up more. Because when he shows up, that's when interesting things happen. You're like, holy shit. He, um... Like, he turns into a giant snake and drops that fucking person off the um, second floor of the house. And without him, it's just a lot of, like, look... Uh, although this, the face-stretching thing was pretty fun. When yeah. they, like, made the monster faces. Mm-hmm. The effects are pretty cool. Even the even the claymation effects, like when Beetlejuice is a snake, um, I liked it. I, I liked it, but what would you rate it? Me on a scale mm-hmm. of five, I'd give it like three out of five. Okay, but I think three out of five is like the cop out rating because it's so middle of the road. It's you're not making a strong enough stance to be like two out of five. I didn't like it, but you're not like this was a four out of five movie. It was pretty damn good. You're just like it was three out of five. I think you take it or leave it. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that's almost like a cop-out rating, but, um, like, would I watch it again? I'm not sure that I would. I would, like, if it was, if it was on and there was, like, people over during Halloween, mm-hmm. like, we were at a Halloween party and someone threw Beetlejuice on, I might, like, sit and watch, like, big parts of it, but I don't think I would, like, actively seek out watching this movie again. Unlike Hocus Pocus. <laughs> Have you, had you seen Hocus Pocus before? No. That is my first time. Um, what did you think of Hocus Pocus? We, we've been watching a lot of horror movies lately because, um, mostly just because we can, <laughs> um, and I haven't seen any in so long. Um, it was really not what I was expecting. What were you expecting? Like more like a Halloween town, Disney original type deal? I, no, I was expecting it to be a little bit like scarier. Oh. And I was expecting to have, are you okay? Me? Yes. Yeah, I'm just stretching my back out. Okay. Uh, way more of the witches. Uh-huh. And they weren't as, like, funny as I thought they were going to be. I don't know. I guess I was expecting more of, like, a dark comedy slash like, horror type thing made oh, for kids. Like Hocus Pocus. Oh, made for kids. Isn't this made for kids? Isn't it made for kids? Yeah, I think it was. Disney was going to... Orig- as I understand it, Disney was originally going to do that movie as a... Um, like a Disney original, mm-hmm. like like Halloween Town, like made for TV, mm-hmm. and then they were like, you know what? This is actually a pretty. There might be something here. Let's throw a little more money at it, and they dumped some extra money in the budget and made it a feature film. It's so weird because I loved Halloween Town as a kid. Me like, too. I, how does nobody know about that though? They talked about it on Nightmare on Film Street, and they shit on it because they like they're like Hocus Pocus is amazing and it was going to be like Halloween Town. Oh, can you believe it? Actually, I think my impression of John's voice is pretty good. But um I wonder if I would have liked Hocus Pocus more if I'd seen it as a kid. Maybe. You know, like that sort of nostalgia thing. I l- I oh, feel like a lot of people who have recommended it to me saw it as a as kid. As children? Yeah. Can we jump back for a second about how we both love Halloween Town? <laughs> is Halloween Town not like I fucking seen it in great? Ever? Neither have I. But I had it um, when I was a kid. We used to tape off the television. Yeah. We would tape the channel, you know, and then like yeah. commercial comes on, quick hit stop. But there would invariably be like three seconds of like yeah. Pop Tart ad in the middle of your movie. <laughs> and we're like, 
RC racers, <laughs> Halloween town. You know, like yeah. <laughs> it was like uh, you'd get like a chunk of some dumbass yeah. advertisement for GAC. Um, oh my god. I know, I'm just throwing 90s terms around. I got a 90s radio station now, but uh, that's what I should... Oh, my God, I should cut 90s advertising into my 90s radio station and then... Hey, if they're not paying you, don't do it. Yeah, don't go to the extra time or the extra time and energy. Um. Anyway, Halloween Town was... I would watch that movie year-round. Like, of all of our tapes, the ones that, uh, like the ones we taped off TV, the ones that I watched the most and, like, totally destroyed mm-hmm. were All Dogs Go to Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. That movie was so sad. I know. It was like ultimately depressing, but I think I really liked cartoon dogs because I really liked Lady and the Tramp too. Aww, but not for the movie. love story, just because I liked how the tramp looked. Like he looked like a fun dog to hang out with. Oh my God. Did you love Balto? I loved Balto. I loved Balto. Even though Balto's fucking super sad, sad too. too. The bit that the bit of Balto that I like almost couldn't handle is when Balto is fighting the bear out on the ice and gets trapped under the ice. Do you remember this? No. Am I misremembering Balto? I saw it once oh, when I was a kid. I saw it like you a might be remembering dozen it better times. Than me. Balto fights Oxenhound. a bear. Never saw it. What? Maybe I saw it once. I barely what? remember it. I, I never saw the Great Mouse Detective all the way through either. Yeah, I'll watch no. the. Of course, I'll watch the Grey Mouse Detective with you tonight. Okay. Um. Anyway, better for real though. Let's just really quick. Let's, or we could watch Halloween Town. We could stream it. <gasps> oh my god, <laughs> let's do that. Okay. I haven't seen Halloween Town in like a hundred billion years. I fucking we're gonna watch love it be like Halloween what the Town. Fuck. Boogie Goo. I love Halloween Town. <laughs> oh my god, when that guy, when his imaginary friend is turning into the boogeyman. <gasps> Okay, we definitely have to watch this again. Okay, next movie. Anyway, uh, Hocus Pocus, really quick. Um, McGee is in it from NCIS. <laughs> Little baby McGee, he's a, he's a laugh riot. Uh, it's so funny because I saw his name on the credits. And I was like, no. Yeah, because I saw you, him as Little Munchkin. I was like, uh, uh-uh, get out of town. Because you've seen Look like 790 episodes of NCIS, so you know the names like intrinsically. You see them in the credits, and you're like, Sean where's Michael Gibbs? Murray. Where's Gibbs? Why is Gibbs not in here? Um. The only thing, okay, all right, oh my god, this was my big takeaway from Hocus Pocus. Sarah Michelle Gellar was hot when she was young. Not Sarah Michelle Gellar, although she is hot even now. Sarah Michelle Gellar is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, um, Sarah Jessica Sarah Parker Jessica is Harper. fucking Parker. smoking hot. Oh my god, I would. J- and if, that corset. Oh, right? I would if because a totally consensual way and not creepy at all. Like I would do so many consensual things to her. Young her though, because Young like her. when she gets to Sex in the City, yeah. you're like ew. I'm not that no. Sex in the City, she's lost. Ugh. She's she's lost a lot of ground. But young Sarah Jessica Parker, oh my god, I would. What is with these Sarah something names? I don't know. But no, they're Horrible. all hot when they're young. Actually, have you seen Sarah Michelle Gellar recently? She is still smoking. She's still really good looking. You know who else is still smoking? Willow. Charisma. Really? Yes. Dude, oh. she looks amazing. Oh, yeah, we looked up her picture. She doesn't look any older at all, basically. No. <laughs> For real, though, I can't yeah. remember the actress who plays Willow. What's, do you know her name? Anyway, um, Willow is also... Because they um, Entertainment Weekly just did that retrospective. Yes, yeah. They're all looking pretty good. Um, it's weird to see David Boreanaz because I'm my first exposure to him was Buffy the Vampire Slayer mm-hmm. when I was a kid. But then I watched so much Bones, Bones. with you that when we went back and he's watched, still so stinking cute. He's he looks, but he looks like um, he's another one of those. Know, what's his pretty name? Pretty ageless. I, what's his character's name in Bones? It's Bones and. Sealy Booth. Sealy Booth. Anyway, oh my god, like, when Buffy the Vampire Slayer shows up, I'm like, oh, we don't have to worry, Sealy Booth is here, and he's a total cowboy, he's gonna whip that gun out, and and then there'll be, you know, Hodges will come in, and although Hodges is in his wheelchair, I don't like this development in Bones, where he's, like, really depressing and a cock all the time. Fucking Hodges. I loved Hodges, he's my favorite character. I know, I know. We're not talking about Bones. I mean, we were. You guys should watch it. Bones is great. It's on Netflix. Stream it right now. Um, we watched a couple other movies that I want to talk about. Drag Me to Hell. Oh. Thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I was really angry at the ending of that. Why, though? Okay, all right. 
Drag Me we to Hell. A, didn't we have a long conversation about this? We did. Uh, so I don't think we need to explain Beetlejuice and Hocus Pocus because everyone knows. Drag Me to Hell is Sam Raimi's return to horror film. Sam Raimi being the director of, for me, most famously, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, fucking greatest trilogy of all time. Ooh, except for maybe the Indiana Jones movies. Those are pretty damn good. Um yeah, the Lord of the Rings ones are pretty good, but they're the not better. The original Star Wars. They're not better than Evil Dead. Ooh, Star Wars tops. Um, not everything. I would say the original Indiana Jones. Oh, this is, <laughs> this is a discussion for a different time. We're going to be talking for a hundred years about trilogies. Oh, we should rank trilogies. Ooh, that's a good mm-hmm. idea. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm going to write that down. Um, so Drag Me to Hell. Let's see. It has Justin Long in it. He's pretty good in this movie. He, I think he's the only person I actually recognize. Uh, were there any other famous people in here? I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. So Justin Long is the big name. Um, the girl. So much goo. The girl doesn't <laughs> start off with that. <laughs> it's a return. Oh. It's total Sam Raimi. Like gross out horror. It's it's like evil, oh, it's, so it's like gross. watching Evil Dead again or Evil Dead Two. Watching those movies again. There's so much corn syrup in those <laughs> movies and um, oatmeal. Corn syrup and oatmeal. Did we get we got some of the? Did we get any white spurting mouth stuff in this movie? I feel like we, we got, did. Like, hawking up and there was a lot of barf like, and like like lung stuff and embalming like, fluid. Yeah, there was a lot of like. Projectiles Phlegm. from the mouth. Yeah. In this here film. Oh, when she coughs into the into that the handkerchief, handkerchief and she like squishes it, and you hear the squish, and you're like, <laughs> okay. So here's the <laughs> here's the basic premise. Uh, a girl is working at a bank. She's maybe engaged, not yet, but she's a boyfriend girlfriend with Justin Long. Um, was dating. <laughs> Not, what is this high school she's boyfriend girlfriend with Justin Long um, they're like you know going steady they're like a, totally an item <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so they're working at a she's working at a bank and the, they use the term like gypsy woman a bunch I think in the movie if not and I don't know is gypsy an insensitive term yes but Fuck. that's that's know. the trope that's the yeah. horror movie trope so like a blind old evil gypsy, gypsy woman in, yeah. a blind evil gypsy woman comes into the bank Yes, which when we talk about House of the Devil, we're going to talk about another classic, amazing horror movie trope, Satanic Cult. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, Gypsy Woman comes into the bank and is like, my house is about to be foreclosed, please. You must give me an extension. And the woman, she's got to make a tough decision and she's gone in for a promotion. So she turns the Gypsy Woman down. The Gypsy Woman. She'd already had two extensions. She had already so. had two extensions. So this is on her. Actually, if you think about it, he's totally, she did totally, totally justified. The right thing. Yeah, but that's why I hated the ending. Doesn't matter. It wasn't her fucking fault. Gypsy, like, pay your goddamn mortgage. I know, but what a dark, bleak ending. Well, which we'll talk about in just two seconds. Um, Gypsy woman curses her, and then like basically, what is it? It's like this hell demon is coming to collect her soul, and she has like yeah. three days, it's like right? Goat shape. Yeah. So she has like three days to escape death, basically. Mm-hmm. So she goes to see uh, like a poem reader or a spiritualist type person. I think I've seen him in other shit. He's famous. Yes. But I don't know what he's in. Um, I don't know. Palm reader guy writing it down. Okay. um, Um, But anyway, yeah. So he's like, he does her palm reading and Justin Long's like, oh, well, you're a, you're just a charlatan. This is a drip off. And there's some fun, like, uh, there's actually some fun, like, tete-a-tetes about, um, Psychology, like old psych- oh, psychologists. Yeah. I yeah. thought the the Carl Jung shit that was really clever. Oh. Um, anyway, he reads her palm and is like, "Get the fuck out of my shop!" Here, I'll give you your money back. <laughs> like throws her out, throws her money at her because she totally. He's he sees in her palm. He's like, "Oh, this girl's dead. She's so oh my god. Dead. What the cat? <laughs> oh, and she kills the cat." <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, so at one point in the movie, the guy's like, "There is only one way," and they get. You can, I think he like. You can appease. I think the, he amped his accent oh, up yeah, a little bit. He's like, yeah. "There is only one way that you can appease the spirits." He, there's no way he talks like that in real life. Right. But he's like animal sacrifice, and then she's like, you know, we see her like reading about animal sacrifice and petting her cat. Dude. She's this cute little kitten. <laughs> All right. Before we go on, Bird, would you recommend people watch this movie? Uh, yeah. This movie's don't worth like watching it, for sure. Take it seriously. That's just what I was about to say. If you watch this, don't go make into some it. kick-ass nachos and just yeah, pop watch. some popcorn, yeah. curl up with your girl with this whoever you're going girlfriend boyfriend with. <laughs> um, 
But seriously, go into this like expecting like a campy over the top horror. Like literally. lots of goo. If you don't like gross goo, it's, this movie is gross as fuck. So many times the gypsy woman like pukes in this girl's face, <laughs> like again and again. She's uh, constantly like falling on her after uh, she's dead. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was my one of my favorite parts. Is she goes to be to apologize to the gypsy right. woman and beg for forgiveness, and she shows up at the gypsy woman's house. And it's a funeral because the gypsy woman. It's awake. Woman, it's, it's a, a awake. awake. It's awake because the gypsy woman dies. Her has died. And the character finds out that the gypsy woman's dead because she trips over the coffin. The gypsy woman falls on her and pukes embalming fluid into her face. It's just like a never ending string. <laughs> Except she wouldn't have been embalmed. Oh, do you remember when her teeth pop out in the car? Oh. And she's like gumming our our protagonist's her face, her chin. She's like, and there's like slime all over her chin. It's so gross. Ew. This movie is great. Um, it's not great, guys, but it's it's good. Like you should definitely watch Drag Me to Hell. But the cat, get back to the. We'll get back to the cat. I'll let you tell it though. Oh, so she's like. Here, kitty, kitty, and goes and finds her cat and fucking stabs the shit out there, of it. That is the best fake blood because it's just like arcing ropes of fake blood, like spraying up from the and bottom of the screen. And then she like goes and buries it in her garden in the backyard, <laughs> and, and Justin, Justin Long shows like, up. <laughs> and then she says, "I had a cat." And Justin's like, uh, later it. at dinner. At dinner, she was like, "Oh well, um, Justin." They go to Justin Long's parents' house uh, in the first time the she first meets, first meets time, the parents, yeah. and the the. There's there's a cat there and the cat is like freaked out by our protagonist mm-hmm. the girl because there's an evil spirit or whatever <laughs> and the mom apologizes she's like oh well cats you know and uh, the main character go uh, the girl goes oh yeah i had a cat and justin long goes have you have a cat and she goes uh oh well you know cats they no, kind of do their own thing oh well, she goes uh she goes well i don't know i don't uh, know she could be anywhere you know cats cats come and they go <laughs> <laughs> She's just stabbed it to death or whatever the fuck her line is. It's so awkward. Oh, then Ugh. she like coughs that. She coughs a fly out, doesn't she? She coughs, she coughs a fly out and like, well, she's looking at, she made cake, right? Mm. And I love the mom's questions. Like, Oh my God, the is, mom is such a fucking bitch. Is this something you'd make on the farm? Because <laughs> <laughs> she's like... Kind of a rednecky southern belly she's type. A, she, yeah, she's a she was a like a former. She's like a farm girl. A former farm girl. That was one of my favorite touches at the beginning of the movie when she's practicing losing her accent, mm, mm-hmm. and she's like, with the right words, we can avoid confusion and. Dress for six, like she's saying words in a specific way to mm-hmm. cut her accent out. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when she gets in that fight with the witch in the car and like manages to kick her out, and she like slams the door and she goes, ha, 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 I'll beat you, you dumb bitch, and like goes full <laughs> southern. Oh my God. Get your damn pig knuckle off my desk. I know when she gets. <laughs> uh, okay, yes. So yeah, watch it. Drag me to hell. It's not good watch it it's not good but it's great in its own way like we we both recommend this film like drag me to hell is a lot of fun i think i like it more now like letting it looking at it yeah Yeah. like letting it sink in a little bit when i first watched it i was expecting like pure horror Mm -hmm. so i'm like what she dropped an anvil on her head and her eyeballs popped out like what's this shenanigans all about but in in retrospect um this movie's pretty good um yeah so, speaking of horror movies that are pretty good that involve classic tropes, I don't think you like this one quite as much. House of the Devil. Mm-mm. All right. Uh, this movie, if you're, I'm going to say if you are a horror fan who likes the original Halloween, who likes the original, maybe not Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but original Halloween, original Friday the 13th, um, that sort of like vintage 70s slower pace building up to mm-hmm. a crescendo mm-hmm. kind of horror movie this movie was shot in 2009 we watched it and until i looked that up on my phone we both thought it was shot in like 1976 it is spot fucking on they 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 did all their homework it looks amazing start to finish this looks exactly like a 70s film same kind of camera things those like quick zooms 
Then when they did like uh, maybe the cinematography, that voiced in, that, but all yeah. of the like set the dressing, the costumes the, are incredible. The Walkman, yeah, like all Props, of props, everything, the cars, mm-hmm. uh, the, even the architecture, like the houses they found look like every single detail of this movie is perfect. So it follows. Um, it's kind of a simplistic plot. Basically, follows. This is another heroine who shouldn't have. Gotten all shit upon, but somehow did. That makes me so mad. How do you mean? She's like a good girl, and she... That's what makes it so much worse. Oh, we never said how... You know what? Let's not say. Drag Me to Hell has a really controversial ending. Um, (laughs) Controversial in the Peterson home. In the Peterson... In in our house, the Drag Me to Hell is a much... uh, Has created much division in our family. Um, But I'm not... Let's not spoil the end, because it is kind of like a pivotal... It's a big moment in the movie. Okay, so we're not going to spoil Drag Me to Hell, but the end of this movie, I can kind of see what you're saying. Like, it is. These are two movies with really dark endings. Well, okay, she is a good girl. Okay, you missed the best part of this movie, which is when her friend gets shot in the head. Her friend didn't deserve it either. She was a good girl too. I know, but it's a satanic cult. The sat. I know the satanists. That was my favorite part of this movie. God damn. Devil worshippers. Dude, the devil worshipping like Satanist cult with the robes, like the black robes and the weird the demon grandma. grandma demon thing. Who Her weird like lack of division between where her nose starts and her eyebrows. Do you didn't know what I'm talking we, about? It's didn't like, you say that you thought it was like her she's friend? She's got a shovel forehead. You thought it was her friend in makeup? I think, think it's, it's the, the same, same actress? actress. Yeah. So it basically follows a babysitter who is renting a place because her roommate is a total piece of shit. Um, she gets to go into college, and someone, uh, she calls a, about oh, a babysitter. Oh, can I just lay down? Yeah, let's lay down. Yay! Um, we're on the bed. That's why the audio quality is maybe a bit more spotty than you're used to. Yeah, um, we need to figure this out. Yeah, we'll get can a Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Yay! Your levels are pretty good, too. Yeah. Um, so a guy calls, or she calls about a babysitting job, and he's like, yes, I would like to meet you promptly, and we should get together, and I, yes, you should babysit. And uh, one thing leads to another. She gets out to the house. Her friend goes with her because she's like, this guy seems like a real creep. Her he's friend is kind of a shit. piece of shit, too. Um, yeah, so the guy's like... Well, her friend is right on the money, too. Oh, like, yeah. Her friend is not wrong. You shouldn't trust this guy. Don't trust this guy. He's acting super sketchy. And basically, he's like, okay, I don't have a kid. I need you to babysit my elderly mother. You won't even see her at any point. Don't worry about it. You'll just order a pizza. I left you a number for a pizza place on the refrigerator for a pizza. Why did, why? Why did that even happen? Because the number that he left on the fridge was the number for the his son the accomplice i get that but why why didn't they just why did they even have the ruse of going out uh they could have just got her there and just fucking i guess they could why now that i'm thinking about it doesn't make any sense interesting i think they had did they have other stuff going on that they had to go do maybe they had like a because they did both leave like all dolled up they didn't stay at the house. The father and his, or the the old man and his wife. Yeah, what did they do? Like go drive around, park around the block? Or no, something? I think and they, they went and like went and did like stuff that needed to be done in preparation for that evening's ritual or something. Because they got dolled up and left. Got dolled up and what? Like went and bought candles. <laughs> um, I don't know, but they they did leave for like a long time. They don't really explain what they go and do, but. The son. They went and got sandwiches at Jimmy John's. Probably no, because those are subs so fast you'll freak. They wouldn't. Have, <laughs> they would have. Been that back explains in, the end of the movie. Would have been back in five minutes. Oh, what were they all freak? Yeah. Um, no, but the son keeps an eye on the house, and like when the girl, when the friend is leaving, he comes over and basically is like, "Wait, you're not the babysitter," and she's like, "No, I'm not the babysitter." And he just blows her head off because he's like, "Oh, we don't need you then." <laughs> just oh my god. That you didn't see it. You missed. You walked out for like four minutes and you missed. I'm going to go ahead and say if anybody here is a fan of gore or appreciates special effects or anything like that, even if you don't like horror movies, that is the best headshot I've ever seen. That is the most. The special effects in this movie are period are really good. 
Oh, like when she slash, uh, slashes that guy's throat in the end and he like falls down and it does mm-hmm. like the, there's like air bubbles in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the effects in this are really good, but that headshot watching it, I'm like, I don't know how they did this. Cause they, sh- it's just a balloon full of hamburger. No, they, sh- they, they're <laughs> in the car and he puts the gun against her head and it blows is she, it shoots towards the camera. And then it on the camera. No, because then it cuts out of the car and you see it just, oh my God, the way it hits the windshield it's, and then later when she's on the floor and her face is missing, that was really good effects too. That was fucked up, but it's a, it's a super, it's a super convincing headshot. Anywho, basically what happens is uh, our babysitter is dancing around the house, listening Listening to to her headphones. The music in this was awesome. All the 70s, like, so she's dancing around the house, not paying attention, knocks over a vase. While she's sweeping up the vase, she opens a closet looking for a broom and finds a box full of pictures, which clearly indicate that the house she's in does not belong to the people who were at the house when she got there. Right. And uh, that was the most terrifying part of this fucking movie for me, House of the Devil. Is when she's going around like exploring rooms, the the filmmakers show us what's in the rooms she's not exploring, which is dead people, like a dead child in the middle of a fucking pentagram and like bodies rotting in the corner and babysitter just walks by and doesn't look in that room. Oh my God. And when the it stuck with me when she's trying to call her friend mm-hmm. they didn't do that thing where like the friend leaves and she's trying to why isn't my friend picking up why isn't my friend picking up mm-hmm. we know why her friend's not picking up she got right. shot in the head like we know her friend is dead so right at the beginning of the movie we're like get out of there get out of there you have to get out of this house but she's just like blithely making her phone calls and like not looking in the rooms where the fucking bodies are but the filmmakers are showing us this so you're like you need to leave. Mm-hmm. The, I thought there was a lot of tension in this movie. That's why I really liked it. And then, of course, at the end, we get the candles, the pentagram. She's in her panties, tied to the ground. Blood sacrifice. Blood sacrifice out of a uh, like a what is it? Uh, it's like, like a, a goat antelope's skull head or, or a goat skull, and they're pouring it in her mouth. She's pouring. She's drinking blood, and now she's oh my god. Okay, can we can we go back? Can we? I mean. Can we skip forward, actually, yeah. to the to the, the end. end, end, end? Okay. Yeah. So, basically, the ritual was to pour, like, grandma cuts her fucking wrist so deep and just fills a skull with her wrist blood. I hate watching people cut their wrists in movies. It makes me want to just pee in my pants. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, so, basically, they, like, because it's, what is it, is it a um, lunar eclipse or something like that? So they do a sa- they do like a satanic ritual to impregnate basically like Rosemary's baby this girl mm-hmm. like impregnate her with the devil, and then they're in the cemetery. The girl gets away with a gun, and the dude is this the part you want to talk about or do you yeah. want to talk about the hospital part? No, I've talked about the hospital part. Okay, so the dude, the guy who originally hired her, comes out and he's like, "We don't want to hurt you. You can even kill me. I don't care. Like the work is done." You will bear the like the devil out of your vagina. He's basically like, mm-hmm. we did the ritual. You're pregnant, and you can fucking kill me. It doesn't matter. So she puts the gun to her head and shoots herself in the head. And you're like, wow, the movie just ended, but it doesn't because we we come back up, we fade in on a hospital, and she's in a hospital bed with her whole head wrapped in bandages, in a coma apparently. And the nurse comes over and she's like, you poor dear, you're going to be fine. Both of you. And you're like, Hey, oh, I got the- I have such a beef. Okay, what's your such beef? Such a beef. Well, one if you shoot yourself she in the shot head, herself you die. in the fucking head, like <laughs> we know that's how that works. Also Maybe she did it wrong. Anyway, no, go ahead. How do you get the fucking like immaculate conception shit? How does how? How did she get pregnant? How? The blood. How? The blood. The moon. That's not how that works. The blood moon. That's not how the it works. Blood. Maybe I mean, I don't know how dark you want to get, but maybe like all of the dudes raped her while she was unconscious because they drugged her with the pizza. Gross. That could be. That's possible. Although, why would they put her panties back on? That doesn't yeah, make no, sense. No, they wouldn't. Um, well, to maintain an R rating, for starters. <laughs> um, they could have just like not, I don't know, shown up. I think it's like the, oh, you know what they, you know what though? That's literally the, pro- the plot of Rosemary's Baby. 
her husband, husband drugs her. No, her husband drugs her, and then all of those Satanists rape her. Do you is remember that? Really dr- the- do you remember the dream sequence? It's like a bunch of like faces like looming over her, and like, and then when she wakes up in the morning, yeah. I thought she like dreamt that she fucked the devil, but it was her husband. She. Oh yeah, she did. Oh my god, I'm wrong. It's not all those people. I'm thinking of um, eyes wide shut. You're right. She gets fucked by the devil, and that's why she has those claw marks. And he's like, "Oh, I got a little rough last night, or whatever." When she notices mm-hmm. the claw marks from the where the devil raped her, Rosemary's Baby is fucking dark. That movie is harrowing. But uh, yeah, I don't know how the Immaculate Conception thing here worked. I guess it had mm-hmm. something to do with the well. They draw the pentagram in blood over her like womb, like on her belly. You know? I know, I get that, but like, that's not how the human body works. There was sperms in the <laughs> lady's wrist <laughs> the devil's sperms was in the grandma's blood like, and they went in her okay, belly is she actually grandma or is she a demon thing she must be a demon either that she's or she's so fugly <laughs> <laughs> well maybe she's like maybe she's also why was the mom bald I think the, the I think the idea is they're all older than they appear because like they'd been doing satanic shit to like make themselves live longer. Does that make sense? I don't know why she was bald, but th- I think it was a bald cap. I was gonna say like brave choice on the actress's part, but I, I feel like I remember seeing like the edge of a bald cap. Anyway, so what would you give House of the Devil? We rated it, but let's not worry about the ratings. Let's just what do you would you recommend people watch this House of the Devil? I would give it a two. A two out of five? Yeah. I say that... I am I actually don't give it a super high rating either, but I would say a certain set of person would really enjoy this movie. Oh. I think people who like a suspenseful movie that builds to a climax rather than being peppered with jump scares like modern horror films mm-hmm. are would like it. I also think people who appreciate, like... People who liked Stranger Things... Oh, it's totally, yeah. It's very it's... Stranger Things. Like, if, if you need that itch scratched while they're working on the next season, <laughs> this is it's got the 70s soundtrack. It's pitch-perfect 70s, like, costuming and shots. There's even, like, awesome, like, a little bit of film grain going on. So if that's your bag, if you're like, ooh, I, I love this, all the set pieces, maybe give it a watch. Um, so that that's my review of House of the Devil. Um how much patience do you have? Time? Uh, we're at one hour, so do you want to kill it, call it, stop Wow, it? bud. All right, so I will save... Let's talk about your book. Oh, we can cover this okay. movie next time. I watched a great movie called The Loved Ones, but we'll wait until next time, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take Bird through it point mm. by point. All right, so what are you reading right now? Uh, nothing. Book- <laughs> oh, you, uh, you finished reading I finished this. I'm this. sorry. Okay. So what book did you just finish reading? This looks really cool. Actually. Uh, smoke gets in your eyes and other lessons from the crematory. Crematory. It's not called a crematorium. I guess not. Ah, the crematory. Okay. It's by Caitlin Dottie. Dottie. Or, or Dottie. Dottie. D-O-U-G-H-T-Y. Um, what, so what is it? Is it fiction or nonfiction? It's or? nonfiction. Okay. It is sort of uh, memoirs. Mm-hmm. Um, this woman, Caitlin Doty, um, went to school for um, like medieval literature, I think, and was sort of death obsessed and needed to get a job. So she got a job at a crematory uh-huh. in California somewhere, LA-ish. Okay. Um. And basically fell in love with the funeral industry, but also saw the problems of the industry. And she's sort of calling for a death revolution, basically. In this book? Mm-hmm. What what sort of problems in the industry did she notice? Um, embalming is a big one and how uh, dead bodies are perceived and dealt with. Um, embalming is a totally unnecessary thing you don't have to embalm them plus it's super fucking toxic Mm -hmm. um and also um traditionally the uh family members of the deceased would take care of the body they would clean it and wash it and dress it and get it ready for burial and um have a wake inside the home Mm -hmm. um without embalming (laughs) um 
but now we've, uh, we've distanced ourselves so much from death. Um, and she actually, she talks about that a lot about the societal views of death and aging. Mm. Um, it's, oh God. And it's so, so good, but it's also laugh out loud funny. Like she is so, she's just so funny. Sort of like sarcastic funny. So it's really made me reconsider a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So like it's, what is the, is it like a series of nonfiction or is it just like her memoir from the time that she gets into the industry till now? Yeah, it doesn't, it's not like that detailed. It sort of has little different, um, um, vignettes that kind of follow along in a semi-chronological order. Okay. What sort of fix it? Because you said she, she like offers solutions as well. Like what does she think instead of embalming? Because I thought embalming served the purpose of like preventing the body from decaying before you had a chance to bury it. Well, since you bury a body usually three days after the actual death, it's really not necessary to embalm them. Okay. Um, but she also is like a really big proponent of cremation mm-hmm. in over um, burial in a casket inside well, of a fucking save some space um, 5, cement block yeah. $5,000 box and a right, $5,000 worth of cement ridiculous it's pretty involved yeah so okay so that and and of course like non traditional I guess quote unquote traditional kind of alternative burial methods like being fed into a wood chipper as chum to sharks for example I'm not sure. let, not letting that go away oh um you like, had another she, go ahead no she discusses things like um more traditional methods like um traditional being almost like um tribalistic uh-huh. how in India like they offer their their dead to the Ganges River or the sky burial in Tibet that sort of thing. Sky burial sounds pretty cool. I know. It sounds um, so awesome. You read another book similar to this one called Magnificent Corpses, I believe. Oh, yeah. That's all about um, the bodies of saints. Right. So yeah. this... Um, that's also a super, super interesting read. Another one to read? Yes, uh, definitely. Well, I'm reading a book right now, which I'll talk about next week because we got to get out of here. We're running out of time. Um, but... I'm reading a really good book right now called The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan. But when I'm done with that, I want to read The Beautiful um, Beautiful Corpses. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe I'll read this one next. Mm-hmm. Is this Aaron's book? No, this is mine. When did you buy this? I bought it, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. Cool. You kind of fell in love with the funeral industry as well. You worked briefly in, in the funeral mm-hmm. industry and seemed to really like it. You used to work for a funeral home doing... What would it, just odd jobs odd basically. jobs you did body pickups you did mm-hmm. you assisted with uh i you did don't know pa- what you're... you did the pacemaker right you took a pacemaker oh off. yeah the, um that guy was going to be cremated okay um i helped with services and that sort of thing as well mm-hmm. um casket deliveries yeah i remember yeah would you All uh kinds of stuff. you once upon a time you were delivering a casket and we met up for lunch <laughs> hung out and made out not in the um not in the hearse that would have been or the van it was a van yeah it's a van not in the van that would have been totally unprofessional we made out in my awesome car the millennium (laughs) falcon in oldsmobile 88 that was falling apart at the seams um would you get back into that in that industry do you think you could like do you think that's something you could do uh yeah the way that she does it like i'm not interested in in Balming people and mm-hmm. that whole thing. Um, I'm not. I'm also not really interested in being a funeral director. Yeah, that seems like uh, a lot of glad handing that you're not. Yeah, maybe cut out for. <laughs> um, all right. How do you feel about going and watching Halloween Town now? Oh, we're not going to do our little feminist five. Oh, did you want to do feminist five? Do you want to do the feminist five? Should All right, I set a timer. Grab a yeah, grab a phone. We are going to do a feminist five. Um, this is our first episode back, so we are going a little bit longer than we'd like to. Bird and I were talking, and we think um, our ideal length for the future will be forty-five minutes. We also did talk about a lot of movies today, so as we get back on our feet and get caught up, the, these next couple might be kind of long, but eventually, we'd like to get our episodes down to a 
a sharp, concise 45 minutes. Um, all right. Huh. Feminist five. Okay. Hit go five minutes on the timer and begin. Okay. Do you have something you want to talk about for the feminist five? No, but I there's, think you did. There's nothing that's really bugging you? Nope. All right. I kind of want to talk. I am not very far into the book yet, but I started reading... It's basically like one of the quint. They call it like the quintessential or like the the first big tome of second wave feminism. It's called The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan. It's uh, it was written in 1967. So keep that in mind. 1967. Mm-hmm. She talks about the stuff that she's talking about. Mostly is um, the the first couple chapters are concerned with housewives and depression and anxiety and basically what what she's noticing she called it she ultimately called it the feminine mystique but she started writing about this thing called the problem with no name mm-hmm. which was housewives who were married to like successful doctors and who had to two to five children and had two cars and lived in a beautiful house in the suburbs and had a brand new washing machine and waxed the floors every day these women who had everything that at that time, and she goes, this is something she goes into a lot of is what the advertising and what the like women's magazines and what like the radio advertisements, the, the cultural zeitgeist, everything that the cultural zeitgeist is telling these women that they should aspire to mm-hmm. the women who had everything that they should aspire to were going in droves to like psychiatrists and doctors and being like I feel tired all the time and I'm so sad and I feel empty and sometimes I get so mad at the children that I'm afraid that I'll hurt them and like all of them are having these like really Mm -hmm. severe like psychological um, problems basically yeah um, so much so that doctors eventually started get calling it like the housewives disease which was like um, Betty Friedan's really, you would like her writing in her introduction. She, or not the introduction, but in the opening chapter, she basically says like, you know, and I'm no different. I too felt guilty that I wasn't having an orgasm every time I waxed the floor because that's what you know. That's what <laughs> that's what the the magazines and the women's mag, you know, the women's magazines were saying like um, ways to keep your husband happy and like different ways to cook a fucking chicken for your children you know like everything Mm -hmm. they were just being it was being like drilled into these girls heads um the era she's talking about is mostly post-world war ii Mm -hmm. where the marriage age dropped to 17 and then kids were getting engaged in high school and it was so frequent that a lot of high schools were implementing like classes on how to be married because these like 14, 15 year olds were gearing up to get married and start having kids. So they're like, oh, we should probably teach them how to sew and like how to keep their husbands happy as high school fucking classes. Um, But the thing that's kind of, except for it was more like marriage centric, not Mm -hmm. like here's how to, you know, cook a fucking waffle. It was like, here's how to make sure your kids get dressed early in the morning and teaching this like 14 year old girls. Um, but the thing that's really sticking out to me, I've read some stuff from the book to you guys the other night while mm-hmm. everyone was cooking whole pages of this book where she describes the political climate of the time sounds exactly like pitch perfect. Like right now talking about, she, she's like, um, talking about how the Republicans are a big concern for women right now because they're trying to make abortion illegal again like this is when betty frieden's reading this book not now i'm not talking about 2017 when she was writing it yeah when she was writing this book um talking about how the republicans are trying to take away women's health care rights and like trying to make uh, abortion illegal again and trying to like depower the unions and um get rid of medicaid and am i running out of time what's my timer at 42, 42 seconds. seconds um so there, she's going through all this stuff and saying, like, for the first time in history, because women had the vote, once women, because basically what happened is women had the vote, and then they just started, she even mentions it in her opening chapter, they started voting like their husbands. They would just mm. follow their husbands mm-hmm. voting. But once this problem with no name, the feminist mystique, or feminine mystique is what she calls it, um, hits, they start voting basically 
pro home and family they would be like you know if the republicans were talking about cutting medicaid they're like oh children are gonna die if that happens so they would vote in in like a feminine way anyway the timer just went off um i'm gonna read more of this book by next week and uh hopefully be able to talk more about it in the feminine or the feminine five the feminist five i'm tired (laughs) i need to watch uh, um halloween town with my girl so we did it we sat down and recorded a fucking episode so thank you so much everybody for listening and for for those of you who are still subscribed to our podcast we love you the most. If you're just tuning in just now, um, hopefully we'll be a lot more regular. Uh, the shows from here on in should be a little bit um, more concise. We had a lot to make up for this time. Uh, we've been down for a month and a half. So um, you can subscribe. We're on iTunes. <clears throat> you can go and listen on my website, which I'll talk about in just a second. <clears throat> um, do you have any closing remarks, anything like that? Nope. Nope. All right. In that case, if you want to uh, follow us, you can follow us on Instagram. I think that's where we're both most active. Yeah. I'm actual Max P. Bird is the dot artist dot bird. Um, that's pretty much the only place you can find her. I'm on Twitter, Max J Peterson, um, and I don't give a shit. You can go. You can even hit me up on Facebook. I'm not on there very often, but if you want to look, I'm Maxwell Peterson. We both have websites. Birds is theartistbird.com. What's going on on your website right now? Uh, I know you've got some lot. new paintings up. You just did a bunch of new paintings. Uh, are have you updated all of them? So are all of your current crop of paintings up right now for people to go look at the yeah. the uh, the robin? It's not it's a robin. A cardinal. cardinal. Sorry, yeah. I, it's a red bird, red robin, whatever. So there's a there's some new new watercolor paintings that bird has done recently up there. Have you done a blog recently? Mm. Uh, semi recently, a couple weeks ago, I did a review of a palette that I have. Okay, yeah, I've always I'm I like going on your website because it just reminds me that I married an artist and I feel like I've done a really good job. <laughs> uh, my website is quillandfilmproductions.com. Uh, I have a bunch of new stuff up there right now. I just wrote a blog about being sick and why I haven't been producing as much as I uh, usually do just lately. Um, I also do a radio show on mixcloud.com called The Sound and the Flannel. It's a it's a 90s grunge, um, not just 90s and grunge. It's like a Seattle radio show where I basically play all of the music that formed me as a childhood uh, or formed me as a child. I know I'm getting so tired. Um yeah, so uh, it's it's like Nirvana and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and Mother Love Bone and all those Jesus Lizard and all those cool bands from the '90s, and also the bands that they listened to and w- who inspired them, and sometimes occasionally bands that they inspired. But I don't like to play anything basically past 2000 because music got real <laughs> shitty at that point. Um, so if you love the '90s, if you love flannel. If you uh, if you long for a time when music had fuzz pedals and quality and standards again, come and listen to my show. And if you hate the sound of my uh, grating, wheezing, whining voice, but you love that kind of music, I also post the songs as playlists on Spotify. So it's all of the songs and none of the chatter. Um, you can follow me there as well. I'm Maxwell Peterson. There are two Maxwell Petersons on Spotify. I am the more attractive one. Who- <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm throwing down the fucking Spotify gauntlet. Um, My picture's black and white. I'm wearing all black. I have uh, sunglasses on and I only have three followers. So I'll be easy (laughs) to find on Spotify. Um, I'm hoping to do other playlists too. Maybe I'll do like a a Steve Albini themed one because Mm. I am fucking obsessed with him just lately. Anyway... That's all. We're getting out of here. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to us uh, ramble and babble and blather and and talk. And we'll be back next week. So that has been Chatman and Robin for this week. Holy podcast, Chatman. <laughs>